Good morning, rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Today is Thursday, December the 24th, and it's 7.03 a.m. Central Time in Jefferson City, Missouri. How's everybody feeling today? Have you been a good little boy or girl this year? What'd you guys ask Santa for for Christmas? I think I asked for like a couple of things. I, I don't even really remember, but I know I I asked for like a sound bar for the TV. I think something like that. And maybe just like a couple of chargers for my Xbox controllers. You know what I mean? So I don't have to keep going and wasting batteries and all that kind of stuff. Stuff like that. Nice to see you here today. What's happening, Brandon Meyer? Wokas0422, Barney Styles. How's everybody doing? Grant Sunnyman joining us live. JJ, great to see you as well. KV Andy, John Knox, Floby Tenderson. It wouldn't be a show without Floby. Of course, Camelia Peterson joining us here along with Matt Unruh, Kermode Bear, David Lee, and Solorio. Good morning, good morning. We appreciate all of our friends joining us so bright and early. May your days be merry and bright. Oh, wait, I saved the karaoke for tomorrow when my lovely wife, Stephanie Peterson, my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife will be joining us in studio. We will be doing karaoke tomorrow. And we will have another surprise special guest as well who will be joining us for karaoke. Oh, yes. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. You. Don't be mad, Greta. We're all going to have fun and we'll all enjoy and kiss under the mistletoe. Nice to see you guys. Okay. What you're seeing, Austin already says, Gwokos. Yes, I'm already here. Um, Javier is already taken. But if uh, Camelia met him under the mistletoe, she just might want to cheat. Okay. We've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, Javier Malay is on the list, cutting hundreds of regulations <laughs> after already shutting down major aspects of the Argentinian government. Why can't we have this here? I keep joking. Um, Mom, can we please have Javier Malay? And they're like, no, we have Javier Malay at home. And then when you see Javier Malay at home, it's, uh, it's no, Joe Biden. God! Here. No, God, please, no, no, no. It's so no! sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. Um, Guoka says he's going to help serve the Christmas deal at the Beaches Area Mission this year. That's cool. Uh, Stephanie, good morning. Thanks for joining us here live today. We've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, uh, da, 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 da. we are working on a lot of great content and tips this morning. I'm sorry, I've got like a, 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 a technical issue going on today. So I'm behind the scenes. I'm like dealing with a chat agent so I can hopefully have something working for you later in the show. Um, so I'm like chatting with like a support agent right now while this is going on. So I'll tell you what, I've got a bunch of clips for you. Obviously, I always pull the great latest and greatest in the news. Uh, so why don't we just go to that so I can play for you what I've pulled. Oh, you want to see some Javier Malay? Oh, not yet. We're going to wait until 8.30 a.m. Central Time this morning. Uh, I want to talk about Donald Trump in Iowa. Kellyanne Conway, his former press secretary, always has some good zingers. <laughs> this one yesterday really blew me away. Take a listen to this. Trump on those grounds or that he's been convicted. So it is in doubt. And when you look at what I just think the Democrats wake up every morning, Emily, and they look at the calendar. The iPhone says January 6, 2021. The date never changes. And then they get an electric vehicle and go get an abortion. I just described the Democratic Party oh to you. <laughs> what? What did you just say? 
Okay, so I thought like when I first watched this clip, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's funny, ha ha." Every day the Democrats wake up and it's January six on their phones, and then they go get in their electric car and they get an abortion. Like, How dare what? you? Oh, that's pretty cold, Kellyanne Conway. Can we just hear that one more time? Wake up every morning, Emily, and they look at the calendar. The iPhone says January six, twenty twenty one. The date never changes, and then they get an electric vehicle and go get an abortion. I just described the Democratic Party <laughs> oh in seven seconds. Um, that's it. That's what I see. But it's Trump oh my God, that's funny stuff. Let's give it up for uh, Kelly and Conway so there. <laughs> get in their electric car and they go get an abortion. Camelia wants to get a Javier clip for her segment. No, because when Camelia comes on later, when Camelia comes on the show later. We're going to talk to her about youth, the youth, the youths turning against Social Security. I know, don't freak out. Uh, but young people more and more are seeing it as something that it's time for us to get rid of. Don't you love to see it? Uh, <laughs> uh, Brian Kilmeade, who I know many of you are like, boo, he's Fox News. Did a good report this morning on how things are looking in Iowa. Take a listen. All right, check out these polls. Uh, here you go. The new Fox Business polls just in. Revealing Iowa Republican voters want, you guessed it, Donald Trump, putting him over 50 percent for the first time in the Hawkeye state on our polls. As for DeSantis and Haley, they'll have a lot of catching up to do, but they are improving, too. Dude, you got a lot of catching up to do. You got in the Iowa caucus right now, the polls, 52 percent Donald Trump. Okay, in September of 2023, he he was at 46 percent. He's widening his lead. Uh, DeSantis is second place in Iowa, but still basically statistically tied with Nikki Haley. You know, dude, if, if Nikki Haley gets second place in Iowa, I mean, that's going to be embarrassing. I'm, my piece this week at human events is talking about the implosion of the Ron DeSantis campaign. And I pulled quotes from my interview that I did yesterday. You should listen to yesterday's show. I spoke to the Dark Prince of Secrecy in Missouri, Greg Keller, yesterday it was a great interview. If you missed it, you definitely want to hear it. And I spoke to big people are like, oh, what did you have DeSantis people on? I have DeSantis people on all the time. I had John Cardillo on the other day, and I talked to him about why he thinks that the, the DeSantis campaign has fallen apart. And, you know, he's kind of backing, he's kind of backing the idea that it has to do with the handlers. And Greg Keller just says, you know, he just doesn't have the same riz that Donald Trump has. And that's really what it is. I think a lot of it has to do with universal name recognition amongst people who in the country who know who Donald Trump is. Not everybody pays attention to politics like we are. Not everybody is like us. Even Cardillo admitted that. Normies, they may not even know who Ron DeSantis is unless you really pay attention. And here's the thing. People go and they vote. And they don't even watch the news. They have no idea who they're voting for, right? A lot of them just go and they pull. The, there are people who vote for the person who is at the top of the ballot, at the top of everything. They just they just go and vote because they think it's their civic duty. They think they have to. And they vote for the person who is just at the top of the ballot. You know what I'm talking about. This is reality. This is America. Anyways, all right. So Up to do with uh, three weeks to go until Iowa and we have a Christmas pause going on. Let's talk to some voters from the state. Iowa Republican voter and farmer, Chris Perdue. Good to see you, Chris. Wait, 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 wait. Where's my boy Vivek? Oh, yeah, 7%. Honestly, you know, if Vivek does 7%, I would say that's not bad for somebody who's a complete unknown, running for office for the very first time, placing it 7% in a statewide poll in the president in a Republican presidential primary. 
that's something to be proud of. I know that everybody like trashes on people who are losers or who don't come in first place or aren't the winners or like maybe they come in a distant second. But if you're really if you're a nobody and you get those kinds, you're looking at those kinds of numbers. And if Vivek gets double digits at all, let's say he gets 10 percent in Iowa. I think that would be a, a big victory for him personally, just, to, you know, as an individual. Chris, Republican Iowa, a Republican Iowa voter, uh, Jasmine Jordan. Good to see you, Jasmine. And independent voter Marie Klein. Marie, first off, um, are you surprised? Well, most by people the polls, are independent. And where do you stand with the leaders? I'm not surprised by the polls. Um, Trump has had an amazing presidency and um, people just loved him. Um, so I'm not surprised by the polls. However, I do not stand with Trump for this election. Um, I think his time was a few years ago and it's not his time next. I stand with uh, DeSantis and Haley. I think either one of them would do a wonderful job for the country. They could do what Trump can do, but they can do it without all the drama and the baggage. Right. And so far, if DeSantis does not, it's a must win for Ron DeSantis. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. It is a must win for him. And and I was glad that uh, that John Burke admitted that when I was on his show a couple of weeks ago. Cardillo seems to think, oh, no, you don't have to win Iowa. But I think for DeSantis, he really does need to well, win it's Iowa. very close. And uh, Haley's within two points. Jasmine. Yeah, and Haley should she was she should not be that close in Iowa in a state where it's like corn fre- corn fed Republicans. She should not be that close to DeSantis. For you, uh, you're you're leaning or you're voting for Trump. What did what do things like that Colorado decision do for your thought pattern here? What about the Alvin question. Bragg prosecution and all the other trials? Did they play a role in your support? It's an for interesting Trump? question. Yes, I believe that. All these decisions further support my vote for Trump, because once they go after him and he's out of the way, then all of us Americans are under attack. You know, his free speech is being violated. And if that decision with Colorado goes through, it shows that um, Americans, this will happen to us and we our protections are being lost. You know, if they can get rid of the form. I kind of lost you the last couple of yeah, words. That's what happens when you get, get those. Uh... Chris, you are still. That's what happens when you have those remote interviews. She's probably like doing what I do on this show and coming in through Zoom to Fox News. So that's, uh, that's the dangers that you well, deal undecided. with. Undecided. You know, it's interesting because the president said, the former president said, uh, farmers love me. I got you billions of dollars. You're a farmer, but you're still undecided. Was there a disconnect there? Hmm. No, there's not a disconnect. Um, he, did, he did do well for farmers uh, with trade with China. And that shows because we had good prices while he was president and the prices for our grain and soybeans, corn have declined during the Biden administration. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess Trump would be the one. It's kind of amazing how like little people understand about economics or care, right? They, uh, you know, in terms of like the, the price, like people think it's the job of the president to control the prices of soy or it's the job, it's the role of the president to like keep prices high. I mean, this is straight up FDR, New Deal bullshit that they're spouting as Republicans. Well, I'm leaning toward, but I've been keeping my mind open. I've been, I saw Nikki Haley the other day in uh, Trainer, Iowa and Vivek. There's a really good story you should read in the, um, the a book called The Politically Incorrect Guide to Socialism. They're really, those are all really great books. But the, the book starts out with a story uh, during the Reagan administration about oranges that were left out, California oranges that were left out in the fields to 
uh, to rot. And somebody, uh, some reporter was asking the head of the Food and Drug Administration, I think the guy's name was Ben Cardin at the time, was asking the head of the FDA, uh, why were these oranges being left out in the fields to rot? Um, you know, shouldn't they be, you know, shouldn't they go out and, you know, try and sell them for people who are hungry or starving or give them away? And the answer was, of course, that the reason why they were leaving these oranges out to rot was because they are trying to increase the price of oranges so uh, so that the farmers can make more profit. So because they decrease the supply, they increase the price. Uh, and which is what, you know, this industrial policy and farm agricultural policy is that this farmer is advocating for. And bless him, you know, he just... He just wants to make money and feed his family, you know, on the backs of the rest of us, right? Not through free trade, but through tariffs and through protectionism and through government force, right? And he probably thinks he's against socialism and thinks he's for free markets and would say he votes for capitalism, right? But horseshit, uh, this is a socialist country and and these farmers are adv actually advocating for socialism. Um in regards to the oranges, though, so the FDA guy was asked, well, you know, well, wouldn't it be good for us to allow these oranges to be at least given away so people could get these essential vitamins? And the head of the FDA was reported as saying people don't need to eat oranges. They can just take vitamins. Like, what? How dare you? That's the, that's the country for you. Also, so I'm just seeing what other, everybody else has to offer. And what, did, what did they, real quick, what, did they, what was your takeaway from one-on-one -on -one or for... Up close in person with Nikki Haley and Vivek, what would you take away? Um, Vivek is very um, in tune with the regulations that affect farmers, and uh, he knows how that can affect us from the federal government. Um, Nikki Haley is aware of the world trade, too, that she would um, help us with uh, trade ethanol and, and corn and soybeans with other countries. But President Trump, uh, he has got a record for farmers. And back when we had our caucus back in 2020, it was a record turnout for him. Uh, even though there was no one running against him. So uh, right. Iowa has uh, strong ties with Trump. So, uh, Jasmine, I want you to check out this poll right now, and it shows how firm people's support is for the candidate that they choose. Trump supporters, 83% support uh, will stay with him. 16% uh, say they might change their mind. For DeSantis, it's a lot closer, 59-39. Uh, and Haley is even closer, 51-43. So for you, there's no game day decision. But have you talked to others, Jasmine? Who is where, who are up in the air that is still waiting to hear something? Yeah, I think people are kind of just watching with all the decisions that currently are going on throughout the nation, especially regarding Trump and his trials, and kind of seeing what these candidates continue to speak out about. Right. And, and Marie, for you, in the next few weeks, there'll be a bit of a pause, but the next two weeks will be a blitz. When you get in the caucus, when you get in there, it's not just going to the booth, the caucus. What are you going to what is that going to be like? What are you going to be listening for? Well, honestly, uh, independents are not allowed into the caucus in Iowa. And right. I'm seriously considering for the first time declaring a party so I can be involved with the caucus situation. Yeah. So uh, primaries are open and caucuses are closed. And I prefer caucuses because then taxpayers don't pay for them. Um, you know, when you look at the numbers, when it gets down to Trump and one other person, right. if everyone throws the court behind that other person, the numbers will be very, very close. Yeah. Has Joe Biden done that to you? Has he made you want to take a side? Uh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I'm so disappointed in Joe Biden and the entire. Sounds like she's probably going to be voting in the Republican caucus. What about you? Have you guys ever done a caucus? I'd be curious to hear your stories. 
Tell us about your cock. Uh, send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, the text lines are open. You can text me night or day at 573-319-1586. One listener texted in this morning said they asked Santa for more guns and ammo. Oh, baby. Mm. Mm. We love to hear it. What about you? What do you ask Santa for this year? You can, again, send us a text at 573 573- 319-1586 is the text line. Saw a really good clip of Joe Rogan uh, last night where he was talking to, oh God, what Tim Dillon, the comedian. They were talking about Nikki Haley. I thought it was really good. Let's take a listen. Yeah. But Nikki Haley's up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, let's fight it. Let's go. China. Let's go. Why do you think she's doing that? Because she Has wants. she always been that way? She wants the big money. And the big money people like when you get, well, she's a woman, so she's got to be top tough. Ban TikTok, I'll kill you. She wants to ban TikTok? Oh, ban it. <laughs> ban it, and then we're going to go there and kick China's ass for making it. I'm Nikki Haley. I'm tough. I'm what? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton came out like a like the running of the bulls going, fuck Putin. We should kill. Like Hillary's on record saying some of the most bellicose things ever about what we should be doing with our CIA and with our military. True. And, and Nikki Haley's basically going out there going, the big money likes when you're open to a little conflict. Mm. They like that. The Koch brothers types like when you leave the door open. You don't have to say we're going to do it, but leave the door open. All uh, options. Uh, that would be, well, you know, here's the thing. The Koch brothers did endorse, or at least the Koch, you know, there's no brothers anymore, but at least the Koch organization did endorsed Nikki Haley. So you, to some extent, that is true. It used to be, I, I used to be able to say the Koch institution was anti-war, um, but they kind of lost that credential. It's on the table. That's their favorite word. Their favorite sense is like, oh, we're leaving all options on the table. It's our val- It's about our values, says Nikki Haley. It's about our values in Northern Ukraine. They like she wants the money. I don't know what Chris Christie's up there talking about. By the way, I love this fur. You know, Ozempic or whatever, but he's not getting a dollar. No one's giving him anything. <laughs> he's a weird one. Like, well, he's just there he to ruin things. That? Here's what I appreciate about Chris Christie. No. He exists only to destroy. <laughs> yeah, bellicose is a good word, Camelia. I do like it. I wonder where the word bellum, how the word bellum came, became no synonymous with war. Because when you think antebellum America or the antebellum South, that's before the war, antebellum and postbellum. So bellum. And then I guess, well, let's see, CV pacem parabellum. Yeah. So I guess it must be Latin, right? The, I didn't look at me figuring that out on my own. You know what it is. It's all this delicious founding flavors coffee that I'd be drinking this morning. That's right, baby. The delicious founding flavors coffee available only at ap4libertyshop.com. It'll have you speak in Latin in no time. Guys, don't forget that Martha's Mint is going away. Don't be sad. Don't freak out. You can still get a few bags before Christmas is here. Make sure that you send in your orders today at ap4libertyshop.com. Look at that delicious box of Jeffersonian Java. Thomas's painkillers. Washington's revolutionary roast, electric, electric, electric sex, <laughs> electric elixir, and Adams's patriotic perk. Don't forget too, we've got 
Betsy's Liberty Lullaby. I left that box at home on accident. Mm. But you can get a decaf version of our Founding Flavors coffee over at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP the number four. It'll have you speaking in Latin in no time. Um, we are out of the gnomes. Did you guys notice? No gnomes? Yeah, they're gone. We sold all 20. We sold them all out in basically two days. All of the assault gnomes. And I don't know if we're going to buy more because it takes forever to get them in. And like, I don't want to like buy a whole bunch and then they don't sell. Like everybody who wanted one got one at this point. But if you actually wanted a gnome and you didn't get one, I'll tell you what I'll do is I might like take pre-orders or like take a poll of the audience. If you wanted one of the gnomes with machine guns, send me a text at 573-319-1586 and let me know that you do want an assault gnome because I had 20, sold them out. The last one is getting mailed out today. So they're all gone, which was great, right? But, but um, we're not sure if we're going to get any back in. So get yourself some delicious Founding Flavors coffee. And I highly recommend that you try our Metal Sign Customizer tool because we have some amazing, beautiful metal signs available for sale over at ap 4 liberty shop.com check this out you can see our custom metal signs all these right here they look like buttons on this ad but you can see over here you can get some that are customizable like the delta squad here thing the a you can get this as an ar-15 ak-47 scar sniper rifle monogram uh, or you can just get a good old-fashioned straight up god bless america sign and definitely add the magnetic custom sign hanging hardware if you aren't super handy and you can't um you know necessarily hang stuff on your own then go ahead and buy the uh, hanging hardware to go with it because it's designed for these custom metal signs. I mean, you can hang it, you know, pretty much however you please. Uh, and not every sign that we have here is customizable. So the Fallen Sol Soldier Memorial or the Swooping Eagle Steel Sign, we've got four pages of awesome custom steel signs. If you've got somebody in the military in your life, you can get the helicopter drop or, you know, uh, you can also get the Deer Hunter monogram and they're so easy to customize. If you click on it over here, you'll see the personalization button will pop up. Choose the color that you want, choose the size that you want, and then do like uh, Peterson, Peterson's, right? There you go, cool, right? So you can get an awesome customized metal sign, it's different sizes, different colors, to your specification, dad, establish whatever year you became a dad. Let's go Brandon signs, whatever it is that you'd like. And don't forget, of course, that you've got delicious founding flavors coffee over at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Tressa Lee says that she likes my shirt a lot. Thank you, Tressa. Lovely to see you. Glad to have all of our friends here on the show this morning. Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel. We've got lots more great content to go. Donald Trump thrown off the ballot in Colorado. Will it make a difference? Will it get back on soon? What's the battle plan? How is Donald Trump going to win against Biden when he lost last time? Let's talk to Remzo Martinez about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Nice to see you here. Merry Christmas. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back here and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central. The Wake Up America show streams live here at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. And if you're over on the Rumble chat this morning, drop a comment. We'd like to have you 
make friends and introduce yourself, make your acquaintance. We've been making all kinds of new friends lately, like Tressa Lee and all sorts of new names and faces I see over there in the chat. Nice to meet you all. We're glad to have you here. We like to make friends. Just a quick update. Next week, obviously, Monday is Christmas. I'll be hanging out with the fam at the family farm. So we'll be gone Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then we will be back on Thursday and Friday. So don't be too disappointed. AP does take a few days off every once in a while. So no show next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Back on the Freedom Watch Thursday and Friday. So we'll look forward to seeing you here back after that. And we hope you have a Merry Christmas. All right. This is the President of the United States commenting on the question of whether or not Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. Trump an insurrectionist, sir? Well, I think it's self-evident. He saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported the insurrection. No question about it. None. Zero. And uh, he seems to be doubling down on about everything. All right. Well, there's no question about it at all. Well, I think we've got some questions about it here. Joining me now to discuss is Remzo Martinez. He's a friend of the show. We've been working together for a long time on Liberty uh, Initiatives. Good morning, Remzo. Merry Christmas. Austin, you know it's bad when I say Obama wouldn't have even said what Joe Biden said. (laughs) And that's really low. It is weird because every once in a while, Obama will come out and say all this woke stuff is like nonsense and it's hurting us. And I'm just kind of like, Damn, the party has the Democrats have really changed a lot in like the last decade since you and I got started in politics anyway. What you know, is there a question about whether or not it was an insurrection? I think there's a question. Is there a question in your mind? I don't think that insurrections have selfie sticks and grandmas walking through lines. <laughs> and every day this whole caricature of what January 6th was falls apart piece by piece. And at this point in time, nearly four years later, it's all but fallen apart. I'm going to tell you something that I've never talked about before. And it was primarily for legal reasons because the company is as dead as disco. I worked for uh, the social media platform Parler in 2020, and I left in December of 2020, a month before the January 6th incident. And for months, and this caused great difficulty in my life. For months, I was on the run from the media. I was being stalked um, by liberal media outlets. I had even some, you know, what people would consider middle of the road outlets offer to pay me thousands of dollars to be an insider for them and everything. I had no privacy. My life was turned upside down merely because of association. And you had CNN, you even had the House Foreign Intelligence Committee um, saying that, you know, the company at the time was run by Russian oligarchs and that it was a breeding ground and it, it was a, the platform used to arrange uh, the January 6th protests and everything. And CNN even compared it, you know, tantamount to domestic terrorism. Within a year, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation themselves, said that Parler was not complicit as a company or a platform in anything regarding January 6th. They looked at it on an individual basis, and even employees at the time who were still around after I left had gone ahead and said that they were reporting people to the FBI weeks in advance, the day of, and even afterwards, if they were calling for explicit calls to violence. And what we've seen through Tucker Carlson releasing the full footage of what happened inside the Capitol, what we know about, um, you know, the... uh, the, the cop, the Capitol Hill police who was running for his life and saved Mitt Romney, the same one that I believe shot 
uh, Ashley Babbitt. Everything is falling apart. Was it a was it something that I think conservatives should just look at and be like, well, nothing happened? No, something happened, but something might not entirely be true. And as people look back at what Donald Trump was doing that day, you got to look at the people accusing him of leaving Mike Pence and all this other stuff. But follow his word. He said, go and march peacefully and patriotically and let your voices be heard. That's not the same as Democrats across the country who were saying we should go ahead and find Republicans at gas stations and restaurants and, you know, Maxine Waters saying you can't let them live normal lives. All these other people saying, you know, I wish I just punched him and, you know, punched Trump in the face and all this other stuff. Literal calls to violence for four years. But no, that that's fine. But that happens to happen during one of the craziest freaking years of our life. And they're saying it's worse than 9-11. To say that that has happened, you go ahead and look at Republicans day after day. Trump is the front runner. No matter what happens, he's the front runner because we know that what went down is fishy. We know that these people do not have our best interests at heart. And Dan Bongino said this on a show yesterday. When when the left sees something that they want to spin as a conspiracy, they let you throw out all your accusations and then they call you a nut job. But when you're actually hitting something that they're doing, they deflect. They say you can't talk about it even. That's what's going on now. We're not even allowed to vote for Donald Trump, according to the Colorado Supreme Court. So this is ridiculous on so many levels, Austin. Where do you think this goes, Remzo? You think the Supreme Court takes it up fast and, and overturns it or, or maybe not? Uh, Ron DeSantis went ahead and said that he's not going to be jumping out of the Colorado primary because he believes that it will go to the Supreme Court and ultimately they'll knock it down. I don't know if I feel as optimistic because part of me is like, okay, Gorsuch, Barrett, Thomas, like they will go ahead and fight. They didn't fight for him too much in 2020 and 2021. I mean, even Al Gore's, you know, election um, you know, result claims at least got to the Supreme Court for more than like an hour. Trump's really didn't. And now at the time, you know, a lot of people looked at that and, you know, the the pundits and folks were talking about the red mirage regarding mail-in ballots and stuff like that. But how many more truckloads and USB drives worth of votes are we going to find in Wisconsin? Are we going to find in Michigan and Pennsylvania? I'm starting to think that maybe they do this and they do the right thing because it's the right thing, but you can't bet on that these days. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't have bet on it in any days. Uh, if you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'll be glad to have you come back and join us here. I'm speaking to Remzo Martinez. He and I are chatting a little bit about Donald Trump being thrown off the ballot in Colorado. I'm like you. I'm not optimistic that the Supreme Court's necessarily going to take this off. But this is the primary. But now we see, Remzo, 15 other states are looking at doing the exact same thing. It's amazing to see this from people who claim to love so much about democracy. Don't you just love the irony? Well, I mean, democracy's great when you get the result that you want. But uh, <laughs> I, th- I don't know if it was the lieutenant governor, if it was, uh, you know, A.G. Paxton in Texas. They're already saying, well, you know, Biden later went ahead and said it's because Trump poses a national security threat. Uh, everyone is suddenly an expert in the 14th Amendment again. Remember the birthright citizenship argument a few yes. years ago? Well, now we're looking at it in case of the insurrectionist clause and everything else. Well, if we are going to go ahead 
and get people who aid and abet our enemies, who go ahead and, and pose a national security risk to the country, then Joe Biden should be off the ballot in Texas, at least, for allowing hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens to cross into our country and flood our system. That's a pretty big deal. If we're talking about the aid and abetting our foreign enemies, why did Joe Biden take so much money from the mayor of Moscow when he was just a private citizen after being vice president? What about uh, Hunter Biden taking so much money from China? The, the man who has been a political child his entire life, a political brat his entire life, can't show up to the right building on the day of his hearing? This is all show, and they don't care. So I, I'm at the point now where it's like, you know what? Game on. I guess Republican states are just going to have to remove Joe Biden because he's an obvious threat to the country. Play the same game, man. It's just a wild time that we live in here. I mean, if if other states start doing the same thing, I think you're probably right. I think that probably you'll have to fight fire with fire in that situation and just see where it goes. But if anything, I think, you know, we're we're ratcheting up the the pain and the anger and the hostility to some extent. I just wish that there could be some way that we could see some kind of a cooling off of tensions and just have a nice, normal election. Like, I know that, well, I guess I guess we haven't had a normal election since, what, Ronald Reagan? Because <laughs> George W. Bush and the hanging chads with Al Gore, we've had this problem ever since then of, like, illegitimate election. I mean, it's not like Hillary Clinton wasn't saying Donald Trump was an illegitimate president. I guess we haven't had a, a legitimate president since <laughs> since when, Remzo? Man, I think America, you know, I, I treat I treat America like a sexy lady. You know, it's been going through a hoe phase. All right. Just president after president, old guys, rich guys, black guys. We don't know what we want. I think it's time for America just to be single, you know, find <laughs> ourselves, read, eat, pray, love, do some yoga, just be abstinent for a while. I think, Austin, I believe that America should embrace its period of singleness. I don't think we need a president. We need to live, laugh, love. We need to practice self-care. We need to play. We need to do bath bombs, and we need to do some meditation and get some exercise and just work on ourselves. It's it's great. Give it up for Renzo Martinez. <laughs> Make sure that you click like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't uh, yet. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the show on the regs, uh, Remzo. If you were Donald Trump's election advisor what would you advise him to do differently than he did last time to try and win in 2024 what does he need to moderate what does he need to do more what did he like what were the mistakes he made last time that he needs to fix this time if you were his campaign advisor i think he's doing a lot of things now that are real improvements and i think a lot of folks especially you know conservative pundits on x they're always quick to point at the mistakes i think a lot of the mistakes he made then are what you know, Ron DeSantis is making is making now. He's surrounding himself with the worst, the worst people. He's getting advice from folks that do not historically have great records. Um, Jeff Rowe from his Never Back Down Pack, who worked for Ted Cruz, he almost lost Texas to Beto O'Rourke in 2018. There's a reason why he wasn't working with Ted going forward. Everyone tried to hitch themselves to the DeSantis wagon. You don't really have that with Trump. He's keeping things focused on him. I think avoiding the debates when you have 50, 60 percent of the caucus backing you, I don't think you need to do. I think when you own your own platform and you force everyone ha to have to click in to look at you, even the liberal journalists of the world have to have truth.com accounts. 
I think not being on X has helped. I think he's doing everything he can do to keep the focus on him without doing the wild Trump antics that kind of worried us in 2016. I was not a Trump guy in 2016, but right now what we're seeing him as is cool and collective, and he knows what he's doing. He's been in the seat. We know what his presidency was like, and a lot of people remember that. There are folks I know who did not vote for Trump in 2020. That was the first year I voted for Donald Trump, who are suddenly like, man, it was not as bad as it is now. This is some messed up stuff, dude. You see how you see how much eggs cost? Like, do we forget that eggs were like how much money six, seven months ago? Like that is Biden's America. So I think he just keeps doing what he's doing. But the biggest, the biggest promoter of Trump's best qualities is Joe Biden. The raid on Mar-a-Lago. Everything they have done with all these phony indictments and stupid lawsuits and attempts to, you know, just dehumanize them to the nth degree. This is the final straw. Donald Trump doesn't have to talk. His enemies are doing it for him. And you can tell a lot about a person by the people who attack him. At this point, you know, I, I've been, I haven't even been really watching the debates. I'll be completely honest with you. I like Ramaswamy and, you know, DeSantis just totally crapped the bed. I, I didn't even remember that Chris Christie was still a thing. But th th as far as I see it, there shouldn't even really be a primary at this point. They should. I'm not saying like they should shut it down, but people just need to drop out. We're looking for Trump's vice president. I think the general election started yesterday. It's going to be Trump versus Biden. It's just about who's getting on with this or not. I'm not even registered to vote right now, but I'll be registering to vote in time for 2024. Like that's how messed up this is. Do you think that it does, uh, as some people are saying, Remzo, do you think that this possibly does help him? Oh, absolutely. Every time, every uh -huh. time they do something to him, his poll numbers just go up. Look what the mugshot did. He's a certified gangster now. And you go ahead and do this. He's public enemy number one. Yeah, it only helps him. It only helps him. <laughs> uh, Remzo, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience, our listeners today, before we let you go, my friend? Want to go ahead and, you know, argue with me online or tell me how awesome I am? H-G-Y-R-E-M-S-O. Hey, Remzo on X. Thanks, Austin. Hey, Remzo on X. Hey, Merry Christmas, Remzo. Uh, very funny this morning. Thanks for everything you do for us and for the cause of liberty. We appreciate you. Merry Christmas to you, your family, and your audience, Austin. Thank you. Thanks very much. What do you guys think of Remzo Martinez? Give it up. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. So I recently transitioned to being guy and I uh, had a doctor's appointment recently. That doctor said I was pregnant doesn't make any sense because I'm obviously guy. So I'm going to a second doctor now, get a second opinion. And uh, how is a man pregnant? That doesn't make any sense. Well, well, technically, you're not a man. I am a man. I'm sorry to inform you. You have woman body parts and you can give birth and you can. How dare you? Where is your bedside manner? I tried to have bedside manners, and I tried to tell you as a doctor that we have been going over the charts and the chart states that you are six weeks pregnant. How would I look walking around as a pregnant man? Do you know the ridicule I would face? Go back over to so, Sasha then. Will you <laughs> okay. So I'm with Brandon Meyer over in the comments section who says that that is probably fake and uh, if I'm probably gay as well. Are we having fun this morning on the Wake Up America show for the love of God? I think we are. 
do me a favor will you click that like button and subscribe to the channel we'd love to hear from you oh are you guys excited for the javier malay are we gonna play that now no not yet not yet we're not there yet we're uh, don't be sad we'll play javier malay in a little bit right uh but uh, real quick let's take a listen to joe biden and uh what he threatened to do dang it there we go we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our constitution does not become the next president again. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power. Um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our constitution does not become the next president again. So there you go. There, Joe Biden laying out his playbook. We all love Vivek Ramaswamy now here, don't we? Vivek Ramaswamy is the only candidate who sounds like America's Javier Malay. Take a listen to this. He's the only candidate who's actually going to take on that federal bureaucracy. Yeah, and you want to fire half the federal bureaucracy, aren't you? No, 75%. (laughs) More than half. Aren't you worried that's a lot of people losing their jobs on day one? Well, the job of the federal government is not to provide employment opportunities. Fuera! And there's more open jobs than there are people looking for jobs right now. That's two for one. Let them get honest work in the private sector, and I'll support that. And these are good people. That's what I want to hear, bitches. That's what I want to hear. That's what I'm talking about. He's the goat. That's what I'm talking about. But it's the fault of a federal government that should not be running a bureaucracy as vast as it is today. And I'm the only candidate in this race with a clear plan to change that. I think the people of this country know that's what we need. And I think that's where we're going to succeed in this Iowa caucus. Afuera! Afuera! Let's hear what J.D. Vance has to say about Trump being thrown off the ballot and Vivek Ramaswamy saying he will not uh, be on the ballot if Trump is not. For sure. And to that end, I want to pull up this tweet. So this is Vivek Ramaswamy. We don't have it, but I'll read it for you. He basically says he's removing his name from the Colorado ballot in solidarity, not just with Trump, but with, to your point, Republicans picking their own nominee. And he's calling on the rest of the contenders in the party to remove their names from the Colorado ballot. Your thoughts on that? Good for Vivek. Good for somebody for actually standing up, a competitor of Donald Trump in the primary, for standing up and saying, this is completely unacceptable. The one thing I've been heartened by, Kaylee, is the response to this is is not just Trump allies, But across the political spectrum, even a number of Democrats are saying this is just crazy. Do the American people get to decide who their president is or not? Because these judges are saying the answer is no. We decide for you. And we've got to stand up and push back against this. See, everybody liking them some Vivek these days. Everybody liking Vivek. Oh, do you want me to play that clip? Do you want to hear it? Oh, no, no. Let's hear from Kid Rock instead. You're very friendly with Trump. I'm very friendly to Trump. I hear, you know, you guys talk quite a bit. You golf together. You went to the UFC thing. That must be pretty amazing when you see those types of people. Dana White, the UFC crowd, you're there. Trump's there. Man, if, that, if that's not Americana, nothing is, kid. Yeah, it's, man, it's quite an experience. Every time we spend time together, whether it's on a golf course, in social settings, that's our third UFC fight together. You know, it's I, I, I just, if there's one thing I get across to people, you know, you see the man in politics and of course you get to see other aspects of his life, but I could just talk two seconds about him as a friend and how over the years I've just become so comfortable in him being my friend and me being his that 
you know, a lot of people are nervous and things around him, just like I was, you know, when he was president the first few times. And now it's. Do you guys remember that story that Kid Rock told when he was hanging out with Trump in the White House at one point? And he was like, uh, Trump was like looking at a map of North Korea and asking Kid Rock for advice. <laughs> and Kid Rock was like, should I be in on this? Just something that I need to be weighing in on? I drink my beer, smoke my cigar. We talk about worldly things. Sometimes he asks me about policy. Other times we're just talking about sports or this, that, and the other. And uh, I see him with his kids. You know, if you can measure, measure a man by one thing, look at his children. Look at all his kids. I've come to know them all. Some of the grandkids they are terrific human beings, no matter what your politics are. And if you really want to judge somebody, I know it's not fair in all cases. People do have problems and I'm not knocking someone who has problems. We all have family members or people that we know have been through that. But to have that family be as well put together as they are mm. coming from uh, it starts at the top with that man. So uh, you know, I, I, like, I, like I tell a lot so, of people, I don't like Trump. I freaking love Trump. <laughs> See, I'm glad that we've now heard from the Kid Rock wing of the Republican Party. Ba with the ba, the bang, the bang, diddy. I am Kid Rock. Did you hear this clip earlier I played from Kellyanne Conway? So freaking funny. Trump on those grounds, or that he's been convicted. So it is in doubt. And when you look at what I just think the Democrats wake up every morning, Emily, and they look at the calendar. The iPhone says January 6, 2021. The date never changes. And then they get an electric vehicle and go get an abortion. I just described the Democratic Party. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Boomers, beware. Young millennials and Zoomers are coming for your social security. We're going to talk to Camilla Peterson about that when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise in freedom. Merry Christmas. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Do me a favor, will you? Click like, subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the show. Next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we will be out for Christmas, but don't be too disappointed because it's not like we're taking off a whole week or anything like that. I love this job and I love hanging out with you guys. So I'll be back on Thursday and Friday of next week and we'll have a show, a couple of shows. It'll be fun. Hopefully my next guest will be able to join us as well for her regular Thursday spot. Today's this Thursday, so that means that we have the lovely Camelia Peterson joining us live on show. What's up, CJ? Good morning, and a little early Merry Christmas to everyone. <laughs> early Merry Christmas to you. Did did you ever do the Christmas tree thing this year? Did you guys never get around to it? We did. We got it up the other night. We've been slowly getting all of the ornaments on it and whatnot, and we're just we're just behind this year. The house is still kind of a you know we're under renovation, so. <laughs> Things are a little messed around, but we're getting there. Right. Well, Camelia, I do want to talk to you about Social Security and about people buying Christmas gifts for like grandkids and like getting their house like full of crap. But um, I know that you are you've got like I think your man crush might be transferring from Elon Musk to Javier Malay. Right. It's possible. A woman, a woman <laughs> cannot serve two libertarian masters. Right. So um, Javier Malay cuts, what, 300 regulations yesterday? I mean, oh God bless. He's doing the Lord's like, work. You know, like see the pictures of the stacks of papers 
And I'm like, you know, and the thing is, is like, he's, you know, people make promises all the time. Candidates make promises about what they're going to do on day one. Who actually does it? Nobody ever actually does it except for Javier Malay. I mean, good Lord, like that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I find myself getting a little bit shreddy when I uh, listen to Javier Malay. No, but, you're right. You know, cutting the, the, the regulations, cutting the agencies. And the thing is, is, you know, our friend Alejandro was pointing out to us that um, the thing is, is that the challenge for him would be something that the left over there does every time, um, you know, the opposing party gets into anywhere close to getting into powers, they take to the streets in violent protest and they bait law enforcement into a violent reaction and everything goes downhill. So he said the challenge is whether or not they do that. And so far, Millet has been managing that really well. And I think he instituted something where um, if they were arrested for um, violence during, you know, a protest or something like that, they would uh, get their welfare benefits cut. And so anyway, so far it's been going well. So it's impressive. No, for sure. He, the, um, the communists have taken to the streets and this is kind of his first big test, right? He's got to show that he can keep law and order in the country without cracking down too hard because I guess communists have successfully, I guess they've successfully kept, uh, they've successfully knocked other presidents and people like that out of power from at least from what we've heard, right? Right, that's what it sounds like. So yeah, I hopefully one day uh, Alejandro will be able to come on the show because he's he's got a great story. He immigrated from um, Argentina whenever he was a teen. And so he, <clears throat> he has a great perspective, um, you know, and firsthand experience on where things are in the country. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about the news that I uh, brought you in here for younger generations in the United States, including millennials and Gen Zers, are much more likely to believe that the social security system needs reforming than those in their 60s or 70s. Duh. Uh, this is a, a new survey that came out by Redfield and Wilton Strategies. A majority of 63 percent of Americans strongly agreed or agreed that the social security system needs to be reformed. Only 10 percent strongly disagreed or disagreed. What's your take on this, Camelia? I think the difference in the split here between the boomers and the Gen X millennials, Gen Z, is kind of it's denial right on the part of the boomers, maybe. And they're not feeling the pinch as much. But I do think that especially with Gen Z, uh, you know, I think they see for, for all the crap they get, I think that they see a lot of these issues more clearly than maybe even millennials do. Um, but yeah, the majority um, of those those demographics think believe that you know Social Security is paying out more than they're bringing in. Um, they they believe that it needs to be reformed. Um, you know, Gen X has been all over this for a long time, <laughs> so we know what's up. Uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> but the thing is, is you know, they're saying that by 2033, if there's not any changes that have been made, that there will need to be an across the board 23% cut in Social Security benefits. And that trust fund runs out in 2034. No kidding. And it, this one of this is one of those third rail topics in politics. But I mean, you're somebody who's been doing grass work, grassroots work. You've been knocking on doors, talking to voters. Um, have, do you think that, uh, you know, this is pretty consistent? This polling is consistent that younger people really do want to see reform. Maybe older people don't. Yeah, I think so. And I think that this is, you know, you talk about the disparity, um, the wealth disparity between um, the boomer generation and, you know, millennials and Gen Z all of the time. 
And I think that they are recognizing that and that it's, you know, they're, they see the need for it and they know that it's not going to be there for them. They can't go out and buy a house right now. You know, there are lots of things that they cannot do. Um, and I actually think this ties into the other piece that we were going to talk about too, as far as like gift giving, but anyway, yeah, no, I think that they've got a much more realistic um, point of view on, and I think it's because they're already feeling the very real life impact. Well, for sure. Um, now the next, since you went ahead and brought it up, the next topic that we had, um, uh, gotten you prepared for on this one <clears throat> from the business insider, the headline is millennial parents say well-meaning boomers are gifting junk to their grandkids and it's time to stop. This is kind of in line with a lot of stories that I've read lately about like people who of older generations who have passed away and they're not necessarily what you might call hoarders, but they just leave so much stuff behind just stuff, yeah. just, just tons of stuff. My, my um, wife was dealing with this recently with a grandparent who passed away. She just had so much stuff that she collected over the years. Maybe one of the best gifts that people can give to their kids or grandkids is to just give away all your stuff before like, uh, but I mean, nobody wants to do that because like nobody wants to think right. about like death or stuff like that. But this right. story specifically, like, I guess people are not to be like ingrateful. Like my dad would be mad to hear me say this, like it's ingrateful. Right. But at some point, like the house does become a junk pile because when you have kids, sure. like, you know, the, the grandkids, the grandparents want to spoil them. Anyways, what's your take? You actually have children. Right. Well, so, and that's the thing. I think the younger generations like are embracing minimalism in a lot of ways. And I do think that it's normal. And the, you know, the well-intentioned uh, part of that headline, I think is, is very real. I do think that this is somewhat a reaction. Many of these, you know, our, our boomer parents grew up with almost nothing. And so this is kind of a natural overreaction in a lot of ways is that they have wanted better for their kids and for their grandkids, and they want them to have all of the things that they never had. So in, in a lot of ways, this is, a, this is a normal reaction to this. And I, I just, but I do think that, you know, we are now seeing that just like you can, you could just be suffocated by all of the stuff. And we are really starting to see an emphasis on, you know, what is better and what is more meaningful in life, having all of the toys and the things and the material things or experiences. And I just seen, uh, it's funny that you sent this because just yesterday I'd seen a mom post about this on X and she was saying that her, their family, you know, had given their kids so much stuff that it's just coming out their ears and they don't know what to do with it. And she just was ready to draw a line and say, you know, like donate to their five to nine, you know, do something that's going to have a, a lasting impact. And I think, you know, when you talk about that wealth disparity between the, the generations, that's something very practical and something very long term that grandparents can do is investing in those 529 plans or in the future of their grandchildren. Because there's, I mean, like, you know, we, the very real possibility that the Social Security is not going to be there for them. And so we they need to be thinking long term, because I think that's been one of our biggest failures is that we have. We have short-term thinking, like we're, we don't, we don't have long-term vision anymore. And that's, uh, that's hurting us. It's really hard to have these kinds of conversations too, with your parents. Like, how do you yeah. say, I, I mean, cause like, even, you know, my dad, he's uh, 81 years old and, you know, it's at this time in life when we, you know, we need to be having conversations about, you know, you know, transferring of the state, what, what, what needs to happen with the family right. farm, right? Like, how do we take care of these things? But I'll be honest, like these conversations 
these are not easy. Maybe, you know, and you're much more delicate than I am, Camelia. Maybe, maybe you have some advice for, for me or for people who are looking to have these kinds of conversations. I know you have parents who are a little older too. Sure. And that's, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot too. And I think about this sometimes too, just in, you know, with regard to my own kids, because nobody ever thinks they're going to die tomorrow. But if you do, like, what's, what's your plan so that that transition goes smoothly for them and, you know, with your property. And it's so complicated because the government has their fingers and strings into so many things and makes it next to impossible. So that's been on my mind a lot, not, not just with regard to my parents, but with regard to my kids, my parents are probably, I think they're pretty cognizant of that, but we haven't actually had those conversations recently, but that's something I've been thinking about a lot is that we need to have those conversations um, because even if I have just one parent pass away, I need to be equipped to be able to help the other parent do the things that need to be done. Um, so, yeah, I think there, there's, you know, we do have to think about those things. And, you know, when grandparents are, even if you're giving experiences, you know, I saw, you know, one grandparent in that article talking about that. She always still likes to give a, a little, you know, physical token gift because you want to do something. And I get that. I, I am a I am a spontaneous gift giver. Like the holidays bother me a little bit because I'm I'm more of a spontaneous gift giver than I am a planned gift giver. <laughs> but um, you know, my people show their uh their love and affection in different ways. My mom, all growing up, like that was one that was kind of her primary way of showing that she cared about people were gifts. And it didn't have to be anything big, but you know, lots of little gifts, which also meant lots of clutter. <laughs> She's gotten better about that, I will say. But, you know, there, it is, I think, I think we need to embrace that people and find different ways to show our appreciation and love for people. And there's also things like, you know, words of affirmation and time and acts of service. And like, I know, I think for you, probably the words of affirmation is a big one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there are, there are more ways to show our appreciation for people than stuff. It's funny, I, um, uh, this last week, I un embarked on a project that I've never done before, like a, a home improvement project, uh, in order to uh, make my stairs, the flight of stairs safer in my home. Mm. Um, I installed, and this was a beginning to end project, I had like a, a baseboard that I bought from Home Depot. And uh, the, you know, then the I had to like get a stud finder find the studs in the walls. I can't tell you how many holes I poked in that wall and the stud was not there. <laughs> you know? And so I've never done anything like this before. I, and then like, at one point I'm like trying to drill into the wall and I like, I, my hands were sweaty, so I slipped. So the drill slipped out of my hand and then started flying around and like no. digging holes out of the wall and like, you know, digging grooves into the wall and all this shit. So there's all of these like patches you can see that I, I need to paint over on the side of the wall. But but the the banister is there and it's functional and now we won't fall down the stairs. It's it's ugly. It's got like fingerprints in the stain from me staining it incorrectly and improperly, but it's there and it works. Nothing has made me respect my father more <laughs> than like his handiness to be able to do what he does. I mean, in I live on a five and a half acre, uh, I guess you could call it an estate, a five and a half acre estate. And it takes me, and I still get help mowing a portion of the lawn. Okay. And I've got like my little riding mower, but I still get the neighbor boys to go out and to do the front field and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, I'm too busy. Right. My dad gets out on a brush hog and a tractor and, yeah. and mows 60 acres, uh, pretty, almost pretty much by himself. Like sometimes he gets help to go out and to like bail out the fields and things like that, but he keeps the farm looking spectacular. And I think about 
you know, when we're talking about the older generation, the things that they do and their work ethic and that we just can't even comprehend. So I don't want to criticize them too much because there is a, there is a greatness of that generation that, that, that there's qualities that they have that our generation does not have that I am in awe of. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It is the same with my parents. Um, I've never, uh, and it's not that there are not people like that of my generation now, but I've, I've rarely seen people who are as generous and hardworking as my parents are. And my dad, you know, like there's like retirement, what's retirement, you know, like he, he is always doing something and, you know, you never, you're, you're always a kid, you know, with your parents. Right. Um, so my dad still helps me work on my car and there are lots of things like I still like to this day, I'm not sure where I would be without my dad. So, um, but yeah, no, having watched how hard my parents have worked throughout the years. And this is something, by the way, that I was just talking with um, a Gen Z um, young lady yesterday. And we were talking about this difference in in work-life balance. And I like, to be honest, I kind of have terrible work-life balance. I mean, there are some reasons for that, but it's like, it is true. And so she was talking about, you know, her perspective on it and that her generation, and they are, you know, they're, they've made a distinction between, you know, taking that downtime and that mental health time. And I think we do that less, but we were, she was also talking about, you know, they want to get some land. Um, and they want to raise their kids and they want them, if they can, you know, work hard, be good people, that's all that matters. And, you know, we were talking about that. I was like, those are the things that are taught versus taught, so to speak. And I think we catch those things from our parents and we watch how hard that they work and their consistency and their generosity and giving to others. And so important and something I'm so grateful for. Love to see it. Um, now, Camelia, we have you on this show every Tuesday and Thursday. You're a regular guest on the program. Um, so for those who are listening right now and who are enjoying Camelia's uh, discussions, just FYI, she is a Tuesday, Thursday, 8 a.m. Central regular guest on the show. And she's been one since the very beginning. So we appreciate her very much. Make sure you click like and subscribe to the channel so that you can hear from CJ on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we do like to play a little game where, where, that we call Make Camellia Blush. Oh, no. <laughs> now, here's the thing, Camellia, and I, I, I don't want to be too crass or anything like that, but we noticed the other day, Stephanie and I, this photograph that you posted on Facebook. Now, I'm going to pull the photograph up, and the audience won't be able to hear you when I go to this different scene, but I just want the audience to see this. Looks like you were dressed very nicely at, oh, a, no. uh, at a holiday party <laughs> the other day. If the audience could take a look. Here we see the lovely Camellia. Now, Listen, you can't see below the, a certain line here, but you can see Camelia in a very nice dress. Now, I've never seen Camelia wear outfits like these. Looks a, just perhaps a tad more snug than we're used to. Camelia, are you abandoning your traditional conservative Mennonite roots and starting to dress a little bit more salacious these days? What are you trying to advertise for here? Oh, well some things but i'll tell you the most important thing about the dress in that picture and ladies i know you will be able to relate is you go into a store and you go in there looking for a shirt but then you like have to look at the dresses too because you like dresses and so um you know find a dress you think oh maybe that you go try it on and it's like you know instantly that like that works and so the best thing about it though 22 dollars. it was a deal baby and that is the most important part <laughs> 
Okay. Well, I just, I've been seeing a lot of posts from pearly things lately where she's been talking about. So Michaela Peterson, Jordan Peterson's daughter posted a photograph of herself oh, after gosh, she just right. given birth yes. and she was not, she was topless, right? But you couldn't see her breasts. I mean, you could, there was a suggestion of breast, but not like full breasts. It wasn't like her nipples were hanging yes. out or anything I like saw that. It. Yeah. And Pearl is saying that this is really not how a mother should be dressing. So I'm just curious. And let me just real quick before you answer this. Um, let me just pull the photograph here. Here we have, see this nice little snug, I will say snug, I won't say tight, although it is somewhat tight. I will say a snug little outfit. It, what would you say to pearly things if she told you that's not how a mother should be dressing? I would say that, you know, we don't all have to dress in flower sacks like Pearl does. So, okay. And, you know, <laughs> may, like maybe, it, maybe your, you know, what kind of figure you have helps too. So, you know, <laughs> whatever, Pearl. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Very funny. It reminds me of that uh, I Love Lucy episode where ever they all dress up. Uh, everybody's like trying to do the designer dress thing and they all dress in uh, burlap sacks. Um, oh, gosh. I don't know if anybody remembers that <laughs> that episode of I Love Lucy. But anyways, Camelia, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Well, you know, if you're if you're in uh, the Jefferson County area tonight and, and you want to see another dress, uh, be wearing another <laughs> dress tonight at Johnny's Hideout. You know, come on out. You can say hi, you know, if that's what floats your boat. But I will say, I wanted to say that Remso's segment earlier, I think like, this whole spiel on America's hope phase has got to be like the best thing I have heard all week. That's so great. <laughs> this today's show has been very funny. And it's another good reason why the 300 people who are watching us live should like and subscribe to the channel. Camelia Peterson, we won't see you until after Christmas next Thursday. So a week from now, um, you'll, we'll be out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So Merry Christmas to you. We appreciate you very much. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a great day. Have a good one. That's Camelia Peterson. Let's give it up. you never look better in your life. I were certainly attracting attention. You think maybe these outfits are a little too extreme? No, honey, on you it looks great. That was, uh, yes, that was I Love Lucy. The episode where Lucy and, was it Ethel? Lucy and Ethel showed up uh, to the event because Ricky and Fred tricked them into thinking that wearing burlap sacks was the latest fashion. And everybody was staring at them. They felt terrible. And then later on the show, uh, all of the ladies who saw them wearing that came showed dressed up like that. I thought it was really good stuff. How are we doing today? Front page of Rumble.com. Glad to have you here. I'm Austin Peterson. If this is your first time watching the Wake Up America show, we're glad and thankful to have you here. Do me a favor. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you guys come back and join us. Uh, tomorrow, actually, Eric Wilson live over in the Rumble chat is saying, um, is AP having the show tomorrow? The answer is yes, we will have a show tomorrow. Freedom Family Friday. So make sure you come back and join us right here tomorrow morning. We are going to have a lot of fun. I've already got some really great topics to talk about with Stephanie, my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife will be joining us along with a special guest 
And we are going to be doing Christmas karaoke songs. So it is a Christmas karaoke, and we always do it as a little bit of a fundraiser. So <laughs> if you have song requests, be ready to shell out. But uh, if you guys would like to get something for your money, don't forget to. We've got some awesome Founding Flavors coffee, our exclusive coffee brand available at ap4libertyshop.com. We're all out of garden assault gnomes. Aww. Don't be sad. But if you are still interested in getting one, just send me a text and let me know that you are interested in getting one of the assault gnomes because we sold, we had 20 of them. We sold them out in two days. Um, and I don't know how many more people might actually be interested. So I don't want to spend a bunch of money and buy some if they're not going to sell. Right? That's always the challenge when you're a small business. But don't worry. We have got endless supplies of Founding Flavors coffee, except, except for Martha's Mint. Remember, Martha's Mint goes away after Christmas. So if you have been interested in getting some of our peppermint flavored coffee, you want to head over to ap4libertyshop.com today and order some Martha's Mint. If you order Martha's Mint coffee, you can um, get some before it goes away. So check it out over at ap4libertyshop.com. Head over there, get yourself some delicious Martha's Mint coffee. Yep, our Christmas. Now I have a machine gun sweater is going away. Trumpy Buddha is going to stick around. We've got some. I make these, by the way. Made in the United States by me, Trumpy Buddhist. And of course, our awesome All-American, also made in America, custom metal signs. You can get God Bless America signs. You can choose an AR-15, AK-47, SCAR, sniper rifle, custom steel signs. So if you like the rifles, but maybe you're not a fan of that particular rifle, well, you can customize it. Choose which kind of rifle you want, which color you want. It can be gold, it can be black. Let's say you want black. Let's say you want it at 24 inches. That's a big one. Put it outside of your barn or whatever you like. Come and take it, perhaps, underneath it, whatever sign you want. It can be a 50 cal, American sniper rifle, Russian sniper rifle, hunting rifle, SCAR, M4, AR-15, and AK-47. Again, customize it to whatever it is that you want, and then buy five of them at once. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. All sorts of custom metal signs. And of course, we've got all lots of great stuff over there for you. T-shirts, pretty much anything you can want. Patriotic merchandise at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. All right, you guys ready to hear from Javier Malay? Yes. Okay, well, we'll hear from Javier Malay very briefly right after this message when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise in freedom. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad and thankful to have you here. Is everybody having fun today? Good. Appreciate you very much. Can I ask you one big favor? Can you do me one? Not just click like and subscribe because I think that should be kind of obvious, right? You should definitely like and subscribe. Why are you watching the show and you haven't liked How and subscribed dare yet? You? Thank you, Greta. Finally, you come in for some good use, right? Do we even know what's going on anymore? America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was a foot him. Yes. You're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show. We're glad to have you here today. You can text the show at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. All right. 
here's the favor. So Stephanie and I, we work on this show, the Wake Up America show, both of us, and we're, we write emails, we send out emails, we uh, send out social media posts, you know, we write advertising, we do Instagram posts and try and get content, we do everything we can to try and grow the show. But there's one thing that we haven't done yet to try and grow our audience and try and grow the show. And I know some of you are gonna say, when I ask you for this favor, you're gonna say no, totally fine. But as my mom always said, she says, Austin, if you don't ask, you don't get. So here's what I'd like to ask. My ask is, will you please sign up for our text messaging alerts? No, no, no. No, no, no. God. I promise. No, God, Okay, please, no. okay. No. I understand. Okay, no. listen. I no. Please calm down and hear me out, okay? If you don't want text messaging alerts, it's fine. Don't sign up for text messaging alerts. But for those of you, for example, who already buy products from AP for Liberty Shop, our text alerts will do things not just like send you a text message like, hey, check out our cool new metal gun keychain or whatever, and like coupons and things. And let it, but we'll also be letting you know about alerts like, hey, the new documentary is dropping next week, or hey, special guest on the show tomorrow, this person you might want to know to give you an update on what's going to happen on the show. And also, if you already buy products from the shop, you will get things like alerts when your package ships and when your package arrives and things like that. So can I ask you for that favor? Okay. Okay, fine. Thank you. I don't think it's much. And I'm not going to text you every single day. Okay, so here's the link. I just dropped it in the chat. Sign up for our show and shops text alerts right there over on the Rumble chat. And I'm going to post that over at my Twitter account. If you're not watching us on Rumble this morning, for whatever reason, um, I'm posting it over to my AP for Liberty account right now. Show, sign up for our show and shops text alerts here. I just tweeted it right now over at AP for Liberty uh, on Twitter or x.com, whatever. I still think of it as Twitter. Okay, you guys ready to hear from Javier Malay? I know. Okay, let's hear from Javier Malay. Okay, Javier Malay, Javier Malay. Argentina's newly elected president has announced that he plans to change the country's economic system by deregulating it using his presidential powers. Oh, yeah. All the socialists out there How are like... How dare you? I know, they're angry, and you know, I love it. If this was in the United States, they'd, you know, they'd be sending them in. FBI, open up! Exactly, I know many of you, that's scary, right? He says that he aims to change more than 300 regulations to lay the foundation for the reconstruction of the Argentine economy and restore freedom and autonomy to individuals, removing the state from their shoulders. God bless you. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Um, so here I am going to translate for you the lovely words, the soothing sounds, the ASMR of Javier. Today is a historic day for our country. After decades of failures, impoverishment, decadence, and anomie, today we formally begin the path of reconstruction. Since we assumed office only eight business days ago, we have been focused on trying to contain the enormous crisis which we inherited. For that reason, we designed a shock stabilizations plan that included a fiscal adjustment program, an exchange rate policy that would stay true to the exchange rate and the value market, and a monetary policy that includes the healing of the central bank. We are doing our utmost to try to reduce the tragic effects of what may be the worst crisis in our history, of governments that have existed with a failed recipe, because as we have been saying for months, the problem is not the chef, but the recipe. 
Those ideas that failed in Argentina are the same ideas that have failed throughout the planet because everywhere they have been tried, they've been an economic failure. They have been a social failure. They have been a cultural failure. And on top of that, it has cost the lives of millions of human beings. Let's give them an applause. Pause for applause. Danell, too, looks like the very first time you've joined us here this morning. Good morning, Danell. Glad to have you here. Says Javier seems pretty good. God bless him. Oh, we love to hear that. And God bless you, Danell. I'm sure he appreciates your prayers. Mighty Megatron, first time seeing you as well in the chat. Nice to see all the new names and faces. Do me a favor, guys. Click subscribe to the channel. Says Malay won't be able to get much done until their Congress is cleaned of the leftover socialists and Peronists from the previous administration. Well, Megatron, you might actually like to hear this because Malay actually successfully put together a majority coalition with another faction in their parliament to get things done. Unbelievable. In eight business days. And he shut down nine government agencies already. I'm, I'm going to break my cheer button there. Right, so I'll tell you what, I'll hit the evil laugh button. How about the Joe Biden perv I'm button? Looking, she looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her, like a little lady in a race car. God, oh God, no. No, Joe. That's enough there. Uh, anyways, let's continue hearing from our friend Javier. He says that some, do some doctrine that some could call left-wing socialism doctrine communism fascism and that we like to classify as collectivism is a form of thought that dilutes the individual in favor of the power of the state look at all these chads and beckys the basic foundation of the caste model it is a doctrine of thought which is based on the premise that the state is more important than the individuals that make up the nation that the individual is only recognized if he submits to the state and that therefore we citizens Oh, obeisance. I love that. That's a great word. Obeisance means your obedience to its representatives, the political caste. That means that individuals are nothing more than a means to an end of the state. It is a way of seeing the world, which consists of the belief that a group of men, politicians, are superior to the rest of the individuals, and therefore they must be them who reign the destinies of his compatriots. God, nobody talks like this anymore. This guy sounds like a founding father of the United States. Am I wrong? Doctrine that starts from the idea that a group of bureaucrats sitting in an office can plan the lives of millions of human beings considering their desires, capabilities, and preferences and circumstances. It is a doctrine that considers that politicians, consequently, are omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. This means, in essence, it is a doctrine that considers that politicians are God. Man! That's good stuff. Now, I do see that we are having some problems with Rumble.com this morning. That's not on my end, FYI, guys. FYI. If we ever do go down, don't forget that you can always listen to and tune into the show at wakeupamericashow.com. That's uh, wakeupamericashow.com, our website. We always stream it live there. So if you scroll down on the, on the uh, website at wakeupamericashow.com, you can see that we are streaming live over on our website. And there is even a little chat and an audio-only live stream as well. If we ever have problems like it seems that Rumble is experiencing right now, let's continue uh, because we do record this 
Uh, and so for the audio version later, everybody is like, well, you know, this is not my problem. That's a morning show listener people problem. We have come to tell you that politicians are not only not God, but they are the cause of our problems. They are the cause of our problems because for decades they have defended these impoverishing ideas that we talked about while they became increasingly richer because in the merciless implementation of these ideas, um, just an FYI for those who are curious, I am getting a lot of messages from people. Uh, Rumble.com is down. You can always listen to the Wake Up America show with uh, hopefully the without the glitches at wakeupamericashow.com. So if it cuts out, I apologize, but um, that's not a me problem today. Because in the merciless implementation of these ideas, Javier says, for more than 100 years, which took us little by little, step by step, to the economic hell that we live today, the process has been slow. And on this path, we have become accustomed to and taken as normal state interferences that are the causes of our problems. The result is the country that received the worst inheritance. In history, a country with a consolidated deficit of 15% of GDP, and where 5% of the deficit is from Treasury and 10% from the Central Bank, a country that spends so much that it cannot pay it even with the highest tax burden wow. in the world, a country without reserves in the central bank and with its credit confidence destroyed, a country that has issued money for 20 points of GDP, and that, to finance that public spending, has engaged in unbridled monetary emission, now faces its worst inflationary crisis in 40 years. God, he's good. You're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show. We're glad to have you here this morning. For those who are asking if it's freezing, it definitely is. Hopefully it will be uh, It will be coming back up in a moment. But you can watch and listen to the show always at wakeupamericashow.com. I highly recommend that you guys take a look at um, wakeupamericashow.com and uh, that you head over to our website so that you can get the stream if you need to. Okay, let's continue. A country that was on its way to crashing is annual inflation of 15,000%, and that requires an urgent change of course to avoid disaster. That change begins today. The central aspect of the failure in the last 100 years is the interference of the state. But the state has had in the lives of citizens from this belief that politicians are superior beings that must govern the destinies of each of us. An institutional scaffolding emerges that makes no, that, that, makes that no one can work, trade, or move without their permission. While in a free society, everything is allowed except what is prohibited. In a collectivist society like Argentina, everything is prohibited except what is allowed by politicians. In clear opposition to the spirit of our liberal constitution that sought to restrict the arbitrary power of the state. Damn, this is good stuff. Yeah, except in clear opposition to the spirit of our liberal constitution that sought to restrict the arbitrary power of the state, liberty, and property of our individuals. During the last 100 years, politicians have been busy expanding the power of the state to the detriment of good Argentines. That expansion of the state has been accompanied by the biggest destruction of the wealth of a country ever on record. Our country, which at the beginning of the 20th century was the first world power, over the last 100 years has been an endless cycle of crises that all have the same cause at their origins, fiscal deficit. There it is, let's give it up for Javier Malay. 
What do you guys think? Well, sorry that we're having some problems over there on Rumble, and I do hate to lose audience members. We do see that some people have made their way over to wakeupamericashow.com. Like I said, you guys do want to drop our, um, do draw, make sure that you bookmark our website over there so that if there is a problem like that again. Uh, Tressa Lee says, Austin, we've lost our cutie pie. Sorry about that, Tressa. Boo. Sorry about that, guys. All right. So what else do we have for you on the show today? Since it's uh, almost Christmas time, we've got one more day until we're off for Christmas. Uh, um, I had a little interesting Christmas story that I wanted to share with you today that I'd love to read, uh, if you don't mind. I try not to read too much stuff, just to kind of let you guys know. Um, uh, One listener texted in with a question at 573-319-1586. One personal question saying, any connections to libertarians in India? That's some contention. There's some contentions about the Marxist leader in my parents' home. Wonder if we could, if any Malay figure could rise up in that region. Honestly, I really don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I wish I did. Somebody says, yesterday you mentioned you like basically everything about Japanese culture except for anime. Is this an I don't like cartoons thing or I've just never seen a new show I enjoy or something else? No, I just in general um, don't care for anime because of the style. There are some animes that I used to like when I was a kid. I liked American uh, cartoons that were inspired by anime, and I did like Cowboy Bebop and like a few animes here and there. My problem with anime is really just the style of it, not like the art, which I enjoy. But the problem is, is that with anime is it drags. So it's like these extended fight scenes, which I find boring. I'm much more into story. And yes, animes do have some of them have good stories. But what you'll have is this like, 10 second where you'll see like a character's eyeballs going and they're just like making a noise and expression and their eyes are like moving and it's like okay can we please move along with the story here and it's just I, I don't know I just don't find it interesting not that there aren't some good animes and I like Spirited Away the movie and every once in a while I'll see an anime that I do like but it's you know it's just not my thing uh somebody said I assume you know your feed cut out yes not me my feed's fine you can go to wakeupamericashow.com uh, Mighty Megatron says you might need to restart your stream. It's not me. It's not me. It's wakeupamericashow.com. You will be able to watch the show perfectly fine. I see five people are over there watching the feed. We're not having any problems with the... Uh, uh, I see. Look at that. Perhaps we are having some internet issues. Oh, watch me fix this right now. This is going to be a little jump, right? We're going to take a little risk. Here we go. Back. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. You know what? Sometimes the internet gremlins, they just want to get you. John Knox says, I decided to watch an anime as everyone I know was talking about them. What I watched about what I watched was horrendous. I later found out I accidentally watched something called hentai instead. Yes, there we go. (laughs) Welcome back to the Wake Up America show where everything sucks and uh, (laughs) <laughs> the show stream is messing up. All right, we're back here, though, now. Okay, so what was it that I wanted to share with you guys? Where is the story, for the love of God? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first U.S. Army Christmas. This is a really cool story from waronTheRocks.com. Here it is, the first U.S. Army Christ- uh, Christmas. So it's so well known that the this story that um, it's sort of become a meme, right? Americans are willing to cross a frozen river to kill you in your sleep on Christmas, right? George Washington's Continental Army suffered a series of major setbacks in the fighting around New York City in the fall and summer of 1776, right? Many people know this story. And I love the meme, obviously. I love to share that one, especially around Christmas time. Um, 
and they launched a surprise counterattack uh, on December 26th of 1776. They crossed the icy Delaware River on Christmas night. Washington's army surprised and captured about a thousand brutal Hessian mercenaries that were drunk from their Christmas celebrations. These troops were fighting on the British side. They were sent to America by their greedy monarchs. This is the story. The victory over these drunken mercenaries raised the morale of the Continental Army, convinced many of the Patriots to stay on and re-enlist for an additional six weeks. As a result, future battles hinged on the success of Trenton, making this a turning point in the war, the crossing of the Delaware. Now, in this telling, a free army of citizen soldiers triumphed over the hireling corruption of European despotism, right? So it's kind of sort of an American Christmas miracle, right? But the trouble is, is that many of the elements of this familiar story aren't quite right. Now, don't get upset. I'm going to ruin it for you. But everybody who likes history thinks that we should get the history right. Am I right? So there's kind of like this overly simplistic. It's an overly simplistic view of the American Revolutionary War. This story is part of America's heritage, but it's not quite part of our history. Right. So in the Christmas season, it's usually easy for us to reach for comforting stories that go beyond fact into myth that can tell us important truths about who we are, but sometimes they can actually distract us and lead us to hazy understandings of military history and military affairs. This Christmas, let's cut through a bit of the myth in order to gain a better understanding of the reality of America's founding. By trying to move past the heritage to the history, let's find out more about our enemies and ourselves, but only by giving the Hessians their due can we appreciate the true nature of Washington's wisdom. Take a listen to this. So who were the Hessians, right? So understanding your enemy is an important first step, right? Who were these people? George Washington's German opponents have long been very obscure, but the research of scholars like Daniel Krebs have started to make them a little bit more tangible. Of the many myths regarding the Revolutionary War, none seem as widespread as the idea that the Hessians were mercenaries. First of all, they weren't all Hessian, Although most of them came from the mid-sized state of Hessen Castle, there were also some troops from the principalities of Braunschweig, Wuffenbüttel, Hessen Hanau, Ansbach, Beirut, Waldeck, and Anhalt Zerbst. And if you look at the larger global war of which the revolution was a part, troops from the state of Hanover, Braunschweig, Luneburg, also fought for the British in such far-flung locales as Gibraltar and India. So while over 60% of the, quote, Hessians came from Hessen, the other 40% hailed from all over the Western and Central Holy Roman Empire, roughly where Germany is today. And also these troops, Hessians and others, they weren't quite mercenaries. This is kind of a tough one to swallow. This, mes- this misconception is actually even included in the de- Declaration of Independence. Um, so imagine you're a soldier in the 1980s U.S. Army. You're serving in West Germany during the Cold War. You're stationed there because of long-standing agreements and alliances. The United States and the West German government have a financial understanding that helps provide for your stationing there. Are you a mercenary? Right? The situation was very similar for the German-speaking soldiers who fought in the American War of Independence. They had a long-standing relationship with Great Britain that stretched back decades, and a result, as a result of the Hanoverian secession, succession in 1714, the British royal family came from Hanover, their leaders had marriage ties with Great Britain, right? So Horace Walpole, he was a British politician from the 1730s. He referred to the Hessians as the 
Triari of the Great Britain, their last reliable line of defense. The soldiers did not personally or corporately take on contracts from the British. They were members of their state militaries. Their governments were a paid subsidy by the British in order to fight their wars. Many of them, like some of the American troops they fought against, volunteered for economic reasons. Others, like some of the British troops they fought alongside, and some of the American troops across the battlefield were conscripted soldiers. So for this reason, the modern German ter ter term for these troops is subsidientruppen, or subsidy troops, right? Thus, it might be better to speak of the German-speaking subsidy troops as opposed to calling them Hessians or mercenaries, subsidientruppen, right? The mercenary relationship, if one existed at all, was between the British and the rulers of these states. As a result, you often hear that these troops were sold to fight in North America because their princes were greedy and wanted to build palaces and pay for their illegitimate kids or whatever, right? But that actually ignores the realities behind those policies. The princes of the Western Holy Roman Empire lived in an, an incredibly dangerous world in the 18th century, right? So in the 1700s, in the, in the Western Roman Empire, it was dangerous. The territories were small, rural principalities trapped between military giants of France, Austria, and Prussia. And as a result, from the 1670s on, over 100 years before the American Revolution, the princes in this area used subsidy contracts to build themselves larger armies, and this preserved their independence. They allowed the princes to, to better protect their small domains. And none of the princes who formed subsidy contracts with Britain during the American War of Independence were doing something radically new or being greedy. Instead, the money from the subsidy contracts were actually poured right back into the army in order to create a larger military to protect their smaller nations from the French. Some rulers even used the subsidy funds to promote their economy. The Hessian Landgraf. Frederick II actually used funds from his contracts in part to promote economic development and the textile industry in his territories. Now, not all of these princes were the same. Some of them had illegitimate children. Some had opulent palaces. It's true. But if like portraying them as like sex crazed misers kind of limits our understanding of the economic and security necessaries that, uh, that actually underpinned their subsidy policies. So for over 100 years, from the 1670s to the French Revolution, these policies maintained the survival and independence of these states. So if these troops weren't all Hessians or mercenaries, were they particularly prone to brutality or getting drunk? English officers in the Seven Years' War noted that their troops were reprimanded for plundering more than Hessian forces were, right? So during the War of Independence, the Hessians actually behaved better than their British counterparts. Although there was a surge of fear about Hessian brutality that, that happened early on in the war, after the first few fears of fighting, American civilians believed that the subsidy troops actually treated them better than the British did. The American soldier and future vice president Aaron Burr wrote about Hessian atrocities. Various reports have, uh, various have been the reports concerning the barbaries committed by the Hessians. Most of them are incredible and false. Hessian troops committed crimes in America, there is no doubt. What is clear is that these crimes were not excessive for an 18 or a 1700s conflict. Isn't that interesting? So the Hessian mercenaries actually behaved better than the uh, British soldiers did or treated the Americans better 
than um, than the soldiers than the British soldiers did. Fascinating stuff, right? So, uh, da, 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 da. and what about the state of the Hessian soldiers? Were they drunk on Christmas, right? The Christmas celebrations when John, when George Washington showed up? Well, John Greenwood, who was a 16-year-old soldier in the Massachusetts regiment, recalled, I am certain not a drop of liquor was drunk the whole night, and I am willing to go on oath that I did not see a solitary drunken soldier belonging to the enemy. As Greenwood's regiment assaulted the Hessians at close range, and he guarded Hessian prisoners of war after the battle, he was in a good position to speak with authority. The myth of the Hessians stemmed from a stereotypical American attitude from the 1770s, which saw German Christmas celebrations as a bit over the top. One American officer wrote, They make a great deal of Christmas in Germany, and no doubt the Hessians will drink a great deal of beer and have a dance tonight, but only as Greenwood, who fought and guarded the Hessians, attested, they did not drink that night. So Christmas, a battle and a compromise. So regardless of the state of the Hessian garrison, George Washington's plan was bold, right? He had he employed cutting-edge European-style tactical arts. He devised an attack where multiple independent columns would converge on Trenton, bringing about 6,000 men to attack the, the force of about 1,600 Hessians. And in the event, due to the weather and the novelty of this type of operation, only about 2,400 Americans actually made it in time for the battle. They began the attack, and they were aided in the knowledge that the wet weather was going to hamper Hessian defensive fire. So both Hessian and American combatants reported trouble with their firearms because of the weather. Remember, because like if it's wet, your firearm is not going to work. Indeed, the fighting at Trenton was heavy, and despite American claims that they suffered no deaths in action, multiple Hessian officers did report seeing American dead on the ground after the battle. Um, so were the Americans lying to protect their reputation, or were they just mistaken, right? Were the low American casual fi casualty figures part of an information operation to boost morale with the war? We don't actually know with any certainty, but in the narratives of the battle, Hessians criticized, criticized American tactics, particularly their tendency to fire too early before they were in range. One Hessian officer recalled he had seen about 60 men of the rebels coming over to him out of the wood about 200 paces away, and they had fired three times on his picket. At first, he didn't fire in return because they were too far off, and they, as they fired for the third time, he ordered his picket to likewise fire on the enemy. But in their portions of the accounts, the Hessian officers reported executing complex maneuvers like deploying skirmishers as a screen to keep the Americans at a distance in order to give their men time to escape. But their tactical complexity didn't work. The skirmishers were driven in due to the malfunctioning muskets. So even almost 250 years later, the frustrations of the Hessian officers comes through in these documents that have been revealed. And for all of the professional excellence of these troops, they couldn't tactically fight their way out of a bad operational system uh, situation, and then they surrendered en masse to the Americans. So the Americans were obviously very pleased with Washington's counteroffensive. They had restored their army's pride. And this is kind of used as shorthand for the story of American soldiers who, well, you know, to patriotically enlist after the battle. So in this story, victory on the battlefield motivated soldiers to stay. And that is partially true. Washington and his commanders were desperately negotiating with their men to stay on and fight, but they still had a lot of convincing to do even after the Battle of Trenton when Washington crossed the Delaware and, and, and won the battle, right? So Washington provi did provide a tangible, tangible example of success. 
um, but he also had to meet the material needs of his soldiers. He raised their morale, but he also promised them a significant reenlistment bonus. So that definitely helped. Washington was then very upbeat in his report to Congress, stating he engaged a bunch of Eastern troops to stay six weeks beyond their term of enlistment, giving them a bounty of $10. He says he knows it is an extravagant price. When he wrote in his letter to John Hancock, after much persuasion, half or a greater proportion of those from the East have consented to stay six weeks on a bounty of $10. I feel the inconvenience of this advance, and I know the consequences which will result from it, but what could be done? Pennsylvania had allowed the same to her militia. The troops felt their importance and would have their price. Indeed, as their aid is so essential and not to be dispensed with, it is to be wondered they had not estimated it at a higher rate. So, very good. So Washington fell back not on the patriotic feelings of the citizen soldier, but on the promise to provide for their material needs, right? So this type of negotiated authority was common in most European militaries. Washington agreed to meet the material uh, demands of his men, and he earned their loyalty as a result. So he, he was facing the prospect of a decline of enlistments. He did not assert that material needs were a discipline problem, right? So like a lot of comforting Christmas stories, the Battle of Trenton has been wrapped in layers of myth. What lessons did real officers learn about this, right? We're still putting this together, right? Lazy or essentialist thinking about who we are or who the enemy is, it rarely leads to accurate history about things, right? Instead, America's enemies frequently make choices and policy decisions that make sense when they are understood in context. Far from being drunken, brutal mercenaries, the Hessian soldiers George Washington faced down were professional soldiers with history and values of their own. Washington's bold and innovative operational planning put them into a difficult situation where despite their tactical acumen, they were captured. Washington appears in this story as a leader with the vision and operational brilliance to give his men an inspiring victory, but also the flexibility to negotiate and meet their material needs. All in all, it was a Christmas that America would never forget. Give it up. If you've enjoyed the Wake Up America show today, we're glad to have you here. Do us a favor. Come back and join us tomorrow, same time, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're going to talk about some news and some gossip and some goofy stuff, but we're also going to be singing some Christmas karaoke. Yes, with a special guest who will be joining us to sing as well. Do me a favor, will you guys? Head on over to the Rumble chat where I just dropped that link and sign up for our text alerts for the show. No, Would you please, pretty God. please? Oh, come on, guys. It's Christmas. How dare you? How dare I? How dare I even ask? Yes. And of course, visit APforLibertyShop.com. Get yourself some delicious founding flavors coffee over at APforLibertyShop.com. You can get yourself, speaking of George Washington, some George Washington Revolutionary Roast. See them? See them right in the middle there? It's some delicious revolutionary roast, guys. And we'll see you here tomorrow on the Wake Up America Show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com.